Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 180th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Rebel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, Winter Olympics are going on. Kind of fun. Didn't we just have (coughs) Olympics like last summer? Mm -hmm. COVID reset everything. Is that how that usually works? I didn't know everything. Two no, it's like they postponed it a year. Normally, it's every two years. I gotcha. Uh, anyways, Sean White is in finals tonight. And Did we you were, watch him in the semifinals? Yeah, it was really late at night. Um, a couple nights ago, Monday or Tuesday, he fell on his first run. It was really late. I had to go to bed. Mm. But after I went to bed, his second run, he did really well. Qualified for finals, and that's tonight. And we're going to try and do this really quickly so so producer Cameron can watch it. Mm-hmm. You're a big Sean White fan. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Top yeah. Mount Mount Rushmore of action sports. Oh yeah, he's on there. Oh yeah, for sure. He's like 35. That's old. way too mm-hmm. old to be good at snowboarding. Probably. <laughs> I would assume. for most people. Um, I remember loving watching him, especially. I have no idea what year it was. Probably 2018, when he had that like he was in all black with like a motorcycle helmet looking mm-hmm. thing going on looked really cool jumping way higher than everybody else on the half pipe they always do look so cool with Super their pipe. with their goggles mm-hmm. and whatnot is that way yeah. is that like the right terminology yeah snowboard goggles. <coughs> goggles you knew that was the right terminology well i just don't you know <laughs> <laughs> um kyle one thing uh before we get started with anything mizzou related one thing that happened last week that we didn't talk about that was kind of interesting is the Washington football team renamed themselves and uh, announced they're going to be called the Washington Commanders. Boo. And I know producer Cameron has thoughts on this as a graphic designer and just as a person who likes cool things. <laughs> um, take it away. What do you think? Besides boo. Okay. Not awesome. I don't love it. Honestly, I don't think many people do. No, and I I saw, I think it was in the Discord, someone said something about it, and I read it as Commodores, mm. and I was like, and then I went about my business, I didn't like open it or anything, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, then later I opened it, I was like, Commanders, <laughs> like, what the heck is this? Vanderbilt Commodores. Way better. Yeah. They probably hired like a search firm to come up or something <laughs> with yeah. uh to come up with that they had two years yeah yeah they might as well just kept it football team well, well you know at the well they should have yeah you mentioned something that i never thought before uh and maybe i'm just dumb for not realizing this could but be. they could have uh just went you were saying they could have just leaned into the whole like uh how soccer clubs are called mm-hmm. like the whatever football club yeah they could have leaned into that a little bit with the washington football team and just styled their whole thing yeah because nothing about especially like with their one they didn't even come up with like a commander's logo it's just like the word commanders which i'm like you could have done that with foot like just washington yeah you could have done the same thing with that like there's nothing they just have a name now right the uniforms are kind of cool like they have like some interesting textures and stuff on the uniform but hmm. you felt them yeah we got they <laughs> sent me some they're like we want you to review this Especially um, the textures. Especially textiles. the textures um, <clears throat> of these jerseys. Anyway, 
Well, we know we know uh, graphic design is your passion, so um, <laughs> yeah. we. I, I wanted to give you a chance to give your thoughts on that. Uh, I'll uh, somebody else in the Discord. Uh, now I've seen this a million times since then, but this is the first time I saw I saw them referred to as the commies. I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> I might call them that. Well, yeah. I also might just call them the the Commodores because yeah, that's a that's better cooler. name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commanders is gonna take a long time to get used to. It just doesn't really roll off the tongue for me for whatever reason. That hard A sound. Yeah. Something that's yeah. just kind of abrasive. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, how do I segue back into anything relevant? NFL. <clears throat> yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of the NFL, <laughs> uh, they stole one of our coaches right out from under us. We'll talk about that. We will talk about maybe Steve Wilkes' replacement. We don't know who it is, but maybe we do. Uh, and then we'll talk Mizzou basketball. But before we do any of that, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Leave us a review on the podcast service you listen to us on. And if you want to support the podcast directly, you can do that at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Okay, Kyle, Steve Wilkes, he's gone. He was the defensive coordinator for the Missouri Tigers for exactly one season. And he is no longer what a character arc for steve wilkes um it looked like for maybe a little while he might not even make it a full season i know i think yeah halfway through the year i think a lot of mizzou fans maybe even us we were kind of like if he was gone if he just didn't walk into the facility tomorrow i don't think anybody would be that upset the defense is historically awful they look like they I mean, they looked like they didn't want to be playing, first of all. I think there was a couple of games, maybe the Tennessee game in particular. I think they just waved the white flag yeah. and gave up pretty much. And that felt, the Tennessee game felt like a culmination of what had kind of happened the previous two or three games. Yeah, I think that was, like, was the last game for Jethro Franklin yeah. as well. So, yeah, there was a lot of questions about the defense uh, four or five games into the season. Uh, then all of a sudden they start making this pretty miraculous turnaround um, I think Al Davis is probably to thank for that in some respect, but I also think that, um, you know, it just takes players, um, especially college players. It can take them a long time to learn a scheme and, you know, the game moves quickly. You got to figure out, um, you got to understand the scheme and, uh, kind of adjust to game speed quickly. And that can take a few games. And mm-hmm. obviously that happened for Missouri. Uh, I guess I was, um, kind of hoping Steve Wilkes would stick around for another year, the way that things were going, um, you know, it's just, I think consistency is a good thing. It's rare in college football. Um, but I, you know, you look at Steve Wilkes career, he was jumping all over the place yeah. his, his whole career. He's done that. Yeah. And he's been good places. He's been not so good places. It doesn't really matter. He's, he's not there for very long. So, yeah. you know, I'm not super surprised by this. I think the NFL seems to be where his heart is. And I think that he's, he's probably better suited for it. Um, yeah, I, I kind of have mixed feelings, just even just the Mizzou side of things, but also since I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, it's kind of interesting. Um, Panthers fans are ecstatic, and they are also referring to him already as interim head coach Steve Wilkes, <laughs> yeah. anticipating uh, maybe him taking that job title from Matt Rule at some point this following season. I don't know about that. but What do you feel about Matt Rule? You like him as, a, as your yeah, head coach? Um, yeah, he's had some bad injury luck. Uh, they haven't really had a quarterback that's, uh, you know, starting NFL caliber yet, uh, in my opinion. So we'll see. Hopefully they don't draft the kid from Pittsburgh who had 
temple ties with Matt Rule. I don't like that idea. <laughs> I'd rather have the guy from uh, Liberty. I hope he's honestly. Not, hope he's not listening. Um, hurt his feelings. Yeah, probably. Uh, so yeah, Steve Wilkes is out. He's with the Carolina Panthers now, and now we will have the third uh, defensive coordinator in three seasons for Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, year one, it was Ryan Walters. Year two, Steve Wilkes. And now we'll have a new one for year three. Uh, I do want to back up real quick and just mention it was kind of interesting seeing the news come through that like Wilkes was being interviewed for certain positions. He was uh, interviewed for the Giants defensive coordinator position, but they went with somebody else. And then he was interviewing for the Panthers. And then pretty quickly, it was coming down the line that he was accepted or he accepted the Panthers job. Yeah, I feel like once I heard about that, he interviewed for that. I mean, it was just a few minutes. Yeah. Uh, between the uh, when I heard about that and when he whenever it was announced he was leaving for the position so happened very quickly well good luck to him uh wish we would could have gotten to know him a little bit better um the good news is he doesn't it doesn't seem like he was too terribly involved in recruiting so it's not like we have defensive recruits coming in that were specifically tied to him that might go elsewhere now Mm -hmm. and they're obviously not going to follow him to the NFL at least not right away hopefully they will in the future um so now what we need a new defensive coordinator or do we do we need a new safeties coach actually that's my question to you kyle uh yeah i think i think what you're getting at is probably what's going to happen and uh that i do think missouri is going to promote blake baker who is currently the safeties coach i think so yeah He's, he's been no, he's not uh, linebackers. He's safeties. Yeah, he's been that for like uh, three weeks, maybe yeah. two weeks. <laughs> not very long. Um, I do think that he is going to be the new uh, defensive coordinator at Missouri. He's got some uh, experience in the past as a defensive coordinator, um, and it just kind of does seem like the natural progression. You know, I think there's been some talk about whether or not Coach Drinkwitz hired him, knowing that he would become the defensive coordinator at some point. Uh, I don't. It's not a far fetched. Uh, idea it's not impossible um you know I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case maybe coach knew that steve wilkes was wanting to get back into the nfl eventually i think that generally as you if uh, if you're a head coach which we you know we're not but i'm just guessing if uh as a head coach you want to surround yourself with good experience people who are coaches who are experienced coaches who have done good things in the past and so you know you want to hire a guy like Blake Baker, who's been a who's been a defensive coordinator. So if something does happen, you've got somebody to turn to that you can trust. So, you know, obviously, I think that Blake Baker was hired because of experience of his experience. I don't know if he was hired, you know, to step into the role, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, we'll it is know. interesting that uh, Drinkwitz. We talked about this last week. He did specifically mention the fact that Baker would kind of be a little bit elevated in as far as all the defensive uh, position coaches and stuff he specifically said that baker would be the number two in that room Mm -hmm. uh working directly with steve wilkes yeah i mean whether he knew um ahead of time or not it's a it was a great hire and i think everybody was pretty happy about it um at the time of the announcement and it looks even better now so are you as happy with him potentially being defensive coordinator as you were with him potentially being safeties coach yeah i think so i mean um you know i think that he typically in the past he's run a little bit of like four two five defense and that's a lot of what missouri ran this year i think it won't hopefully be as you know a huge transition Uh, you know i we talked about consistency 
I think that's really important in college sports when, you know, the players are younger. It's, it's, it's harder sometimes for an entire defense to switch to something completely different. And college football season is just not that long. And sometimes it kind of sucks to have to watch a team adjust for half a season before they finally get a scheme down. So consistency, I think, is important. Yeah. If uh, Baker is the defensive coordinator, um, again, nothing is official yet, but it seems like that might be where we're headed. Uh, I would think the defense will look pretty similar to what we saw last year. So that'll be definitely be helpful for the players, at least. Um, because uh, it really does seem like Baker's the guy, I thought it would be worth just kind of detailing his uh, coaching career so far in a little bit more detail than we did when we announced him as and when we announced to the world that he was going to be the safeties coach. Um, so he was a linebacker at Tulane. Uh, in the early 2000s, 2000, 2004, he was a graduate assistant at Texas under Manny Diaz. And um, you'll see as I go, he kind of followed Manny Diaz around. So Diaz sure seemed to like him. Uh, he was a safeties coach at Arkansas State under Brian Harson. Uh, notably, that's where he coached with Coach Drinkwitz. Um, then he was the Boise State Director of Player Personnel. I think that was like only for like a month because uh, then he became the safeties coach at Louisiana Tech under Manny Diaz. Then Diaz almost immediately left for the Mississippi State defensive coordinator position. So then Baker was the defensive coordinator at Louisiana Tech for four seasons. And they were pretty good. They were, I think, finished second in their division uh, three out of the four seasons. Uh, then he was defensive coordinator at Miami again under Manny Diaz and it was pretty so-so uh, Miami was kind of so-so they had a winning record under Diaz but there was if you read some articles out of Miami from those early days um, it seems like maybe the administration wasn't completely behind Diaz and that was just this past offseason that we saw um, Mario Cristobal from Oregon like they were like courting him to be their new head coach before they had let go of Manny Diaz really strange but specifically for Blake Baker uh, he was the defensive coordinator for two seasons and then he actually had his play calling duties on defense taken away and that reverted back to Manny Diaz the head coach Um, and when that happened uh, Baker went ahead and left for LSU so he most recently was the linebackers and co-defensive coordinator at LSU just for one season because then they had an uh, entirely new staff when Brian Kelly came in. So he was available for Missouri to snatch him up. Kind of just following along with, uh, with you going through that, it's so crazy to think about just the industry of college football, really from any perspective. Obviously, we, we think about the players a lot. And, you know, how they have to deal with coaching uh, departures and stuff like that. But, I mean, you think about even those low-level assistants like uh, like Blake Baker early on in his career. You know, he's kind of following around Diaz, and Diaz is kind of doing his thing. And so he's getting left behind a couple different places. It's just yeah. crazy to think about how ridiculous college football is. Yeah. And for really everybody involved, it's just insanity. Yeah, specifically, like, Diaz leaving Louisiana Tech as D.C. to be D.C. at Mississippi State. Yeah. And Baker staying Four and then seasons, being yeah. yeah, he's promoted then at Louisiana Tech and basically Diaz is like, I'll catch up with you later. Yeah. <laughs> and he hires him at Miami. Yeah, so I mean if you're um if you're somebody who's really looking for 
consistency and you're hoping somebody sticks around for a few years, which most of us probably are, assuming they're doing well, uh, Baker has seemed like he's wanted stability. Yeah. And, uh, you know, his at, like you said, at Louisiana Tech, he was there four seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, really, he was at Miami for how long? With the two or three seasons? Two seasons. And then the th- before the third season yeah. is when he lost play so calling duties. So he only left because of a yeah. re- strange situation. Yeah. So it seems like somebody that might, that might want to stick around for a little while. He's a pretty young guy. Yeah. Um, if he does end up being the defensive coordinator, I'll be pretty happy with it. Yeah, for sure. I keep, yeah, we keep talking about him like he's a like he's a shoe in, and he might be. Yeah, it just would be a little bit strange uh, to. I mean, it's a little bit late in the game, honestly, in the off season yeah. to be trying to find a defensive coordinator. That's true. Uh, from somewhere else, but we'll see. Uh, like spring practices start in like two weeks. You mentioned uh, real quick one one more thing before we move on. Um, you mentioned uh, Brian Harson's name. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? He's going to be the coach at Auburn next year? Jeez, it sure doesn't seem like it. That seems like a situation. That's, I mean, it's it's pretty funny because I don't really care about Auburn fans oh, it's at hilarious. all. And just the idea that they, I don't know, they moved on from Gus Malzahn, who like beat Alabama multiple times, which yeah. what more could you want yeah. from an Auburn football coach? than to be Alabama. Right. Even if you don't win 10 games every season. Kind of like the anti-Georgia, like Mark Rick situation almost, yes. where for Georgia it worked out perfectly. Yeah. yeah like better than you could have ever imagined. Right. Like Georgia feels like they were deserving of probably. Yes. And Auburn is like the opposite happened yeah. for them. It's only one season in, but it's one of those things where like if they bring him back, that's so awkward. I don't but know. at the same time, who are they going to replace him with? I mean, are you going to have people you know lining up for this head coaching job i guess maybe yeah I mean, I mean there's two ways you can look at it is brian harson's probably gonna get fired i think he has an 18 million dollar buyout i think i saw that so they're gonna potentially pay this man 18 million dollars just to not coach there anymore uh so i mean you could look at it as like well i might get a couple of years at auburn i'm gonna make it so much money and just go away or you could look at it as like I don't even want to deal with the insanity that is Auburn, and yeah. even I don't care how much money is involved. Yeah, but I mean it's gonna have to be a big name, whoever yeah. it is, if they fire yeah. Harson. I have a feeling Auburn fans are not gonna be happy no matter what. I think you're right. <laughs> That's college sports for you. One reason Auburn fans could be happy though is because they're getting a bunch of money from the SEC. So is the University of Missouri. Yeah. I can't remember the dollar amounts, but it's like... Uh, I think it's like $55 million is like their yearly distribution and then like yeah. another $23 million from COVID. So roughly $77 million this year. That's pretty good. From the SEC. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we'll take it. Um, yeah. I wonder, how, I wonder how that stacks up to like what Big 12 schools get from like their share of the Longhorn Network. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's as much as you might think, honestly. I don't think it's as big of a difference as you might think, but it's probably 10, 10 12 mil mm-hmm. difference. It's pretty good. It's a guess. Um, any other news before we move on to basketball? I think that's about it. That's pretty big news, losing your defensive coordinator two weeks before spring practices start. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. So on the basketball side of things, uh, Missouri – won a game and lost a game since we last spoke they had a little bit of an upset beat texas a&m on the road by four they won that game 70 to 66 a good road win uh gave a&m their sixth straight loss which is now seven uh because they lost uh since the mizzou game 
Um, and we saw the good Missouri Tiger offense led by Kobe Brown. He had 21 points, six rebounds, six assists, and two blocks in 38 minutes of action. Uh, was getting to the free throw line, 11 of 12 from the charity stripe. And uh, another significant contributor, uh, Boogie Coleman, 12 points, four of eight from three. Uh, Missouri's offense looked pretty good. A uh, little bit of a scare late, but they held on. Solid win. I was really happy. It was, a, it was actually a fun game to watch. Like, yeah. We haven't had too many of those. I was just about to say, college basketball is so fun when you're winning. Yeah. And, man, I miss being relevant like normally. And even, I honestly, I think we've like addressed this question specifically before about like getting your heart ripped out in a heartbreaking loss versus just getting blown out and knowing you're not going to be in it. Uh, they're playing good basketball, but still losing a close game. Give me that. I mean, I, I probably just go back and forth. I probably will take whichever one's not happening. You know, yeah. like if you ask me this after a big blowout, yeah, you're probably right. But it's good to feel emotions man, as yeah. a human being sometimes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and when you're getting blown out and you can basically just turn the TV off and not yeah. care about it, then right. I think it's better to feel. I think it's better to feel something. Even though it's better it's to have loved and lost. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everything went really well for the Missouri offense. Like they were moving the ball well, finding open shooters. They shot 64% from two, 39% from three, uh, getting to the free throw line. How many threes did they attempt in this game? 13. That's, I mean, that's ideal right there. Yeah. I mean, you know, Conzo's talked about this a little bit, um, publicly in like press conferences and stuff about how that's obviously not their strength. And maybe it took them a little too long to figure that out this season, or at least to actually ma- you know, make the change. make an actionable change. But it seems like they've actually kind of found the sweet spot with that recently. And, you know, haven't taken as many threes. Now Vanderbilt is a little different story. We'll mm-hmm. get to that. But the Texas A&M game, which is in my opinion, perfect like shot selection as far as like how many threes they took and all that stuff. And they shot pretty well too. Yeah. And, and the, who's taking the threes so like Coleman, one of the better three point shooters, he's taken eight threes. I mean, he was hot. Um, but then, I mean, that's four of the five makes were Coleman. Yeah. So nobody was really forcing it too much. Uh, a little bit different in the Vanderbilt game. Um, let's see what else here. So uh, Missouri had 16 assists on the game. I, I mentioned six of those coming from Kobe. So he looked really good. Uh, he had definitely been slumping a little bit. Basically, ever since the his huge performance in the Alabama game, he just hadn't really put together a super solid game since then. But he got one here. And uh, defensively, they really clamped down in the paint um i mentioned in our preview henry coleman because he had 18 points in the first matchup with missouri uh he was pretty inefficient three of nine from two uh did get to the free throw line only scored 13 points total so i thought that was they did a good job slowing him down and uh basically a&m's paint offense their two-point shooting they only shot 44 percent, so that's usually a pretty good number for the defense um, we'll mention this again after the Vanderbilt game, but uh, Trevin Brazil, two blocks in the uh, Texas A&M game. Yeah. He, in only 14 minutes of action, eight points, three rebounds, two blocks. I don't think I've been as excited for a freshman in 
a really really long time since maybe like Jonte, but I even I knew Jonte wouldn't probably be around very long. So this this is a very special player, yeah. <laughs> and I really hope that um, he enjoys being at Missouri. Yeah, yeah, definitely a uh, a player you can kind of build your program around for the next few years. It's hopefully. just crazy. Like I mean, we I literally went to the same high school as Trayvon Brazil. He's you know was here in Springfield. We live here in Springfield. Never saw him play a single time in high school. I mean, I knew I knew he I knew who he was, but it's uh, it's just crazy. Like how. You know, I think he had a really late growth spurt, was like, you know, grew like five or six inches, you know, his junior or senior year. Mm -hmm. It's just insane how late of a bloomer he was. But I just never in a million years dreamed that he would come in and be as good as he's been. And we watched Brookshire play in the uh, Tournament of Champions. And uh, that's true. Maybe Brazil Brazil was uh, he had to sit out for transfer reasons or something um, because he started his high school career at Parkview. But uh Brookshire was the guy that is like, oh, you know, this three-point shooting and scoring uh, should translate to the next level uh, because of the craftiness and, you know, finishing ability we saw from him in high school. That hasn't really shown up. But Brazil, his athleticism, blocking, and a little bit of three-point shooting has translated. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so crazy. I mean, you could almost say Brazil's, like, almost more impactful for Missouri than he was <laughs> for his yeah, high school team like, and he's I don't even think he really shot threes in high school and he is now and he's his blocking ability like I feel like a lot of guys come out of high school that block shots in high school and they think they're just going to be able to do it at the college level and it's totally different yeah. but Brazil they end up just fouling out of a lot of games yeah but Brazil <laughs> literally just has continued that exactly like he did it in high school yeah swatting dudes yeah and yeah his for how early in his career it is still his knack for getting blocked shots is elite Mm -hmm. like don't take for granted how easy he makes it look Mm -hmm. because that is not normal stuff for a college freshman um anything else about this texas a&m game it was just such a joy to watch good basketball (laughs) honestly um and if you closed your eyes for the entire first half of the vanderbilt game then you got to watch more good basketball because they were not bad in the second half. Uh, first half was pretty ugly for both teams. Missouri only scored 22 points in the first half against Vanderbilt. They did lose the game 70-62. to 62. Uh, Missouri was 0 for 11 from 3 in the first half against Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt played most of the game in his own defense and basically just dared Missouri to shoot the ball over the top of it. Missouri obliged them and missed a lot of threes. Shot way too many threes, missed a lot of them. Five of 25. Yeah, 25 is way too many. And uh, kind of like what I said earlier, Conzo came out publicly, criticized them for sh- for shooting that many threes. And he's like, the, I, he was like frustrated with them for kind of going away from the game plan. And I would be frustrated too. Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt's a pretty good defensive team. And obviously they were going to force Missouri to shoot from deep. And... Man, yeah. I mean, just looking down the box uh, score, Kobe 0 for 2, Davis 0 for 3, Coleman 0 for 3, Pickett 0 for 2, DeGray 1 for 5. Um, yeah, they were denying. Yaya Keita 0 for 1. They were not even guarding DeGray. I mean, he had a th- he had an open 3 in it on every possession if he wanted it. Yeah. So uh, Trevin Brazil made a 3, looked good shooting it. And 
Kayla Brown made two three-pointers in the most ridiculous fashion imaginable. Yeah, so they like, made... I thought the first one was kind of crazy. Yeah. And then he outdid himself. Yeah, they made five total, and two of those were just completely random desperation threes yeah. by Kayla Brown, yeah, who basically never shoots. like NBA range plus shot clock expiring threes. Like, one of them, he had to, like, like step into it yeah. and, like, heave it. <laughs> but it went down. Um... Scotty Pippen Jr. I mean, Vanderbilt had a pretty rough first half too. They outscored Missouri, but didn't look very good. Scotty Pippen Jr. I think was held to four points in the first half. Ended up with nineteen. Um, Still he, less than we thought he was going to score. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, he kind of uh, came to form in the second half. I feel like Vanderbilt looked more well-rounded than I was expecting. You know, I haven't watched them a ton this year, only a few times, but they they seemed pretty well-rounded against Missouri. Yeah. Yeah. They're not bad. Um, they might be in trouble next year when uh, Scotty Pippen leaves. Yeah, he but, makes everything work for sure. Yeah. Um, but they've still got some other pretty decent guards. Um, so Missouri still shot okay from two, uh, 56%, but shot 25 threes. And also, there's one factor that I haven't mentioned yet. Vanderbilt went to the free throw line 35 times. That's insane. Made 24 of them. Uh, Missouri went to the free throw line 12 times, made seven of them. Does Vanderbilt normally get fouled that much? Absolutely. Okay, so that's they're, they're good at that. Yep. But 35 to 12, that's a lot. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That's more than three times as many t- like free throw attempts? Yeah. Jeez. Um, overall, I mean... I don't know. I guess there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about the free throw situation specifically from game to game. And it is kind of crazy. Like uh, if you look at SEC games and then you take away like late game, we're just fouling to stop the clock fouls. Um, When Missouri is called for more fouls, Missouri has been called for more fouls than their opponent in SEC games, take away end of game fouls. Uh, in every single SEC loss. They have been called for fewer fouls against Alabama, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. The three wins. (laughs) So, so far in SEC play, that has been the determining factor. That seems correlated. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I understand why Missouri doesn't get called for a lot of fouls. And we talked about this a little bit last week. They don't have very many players who can successfully drive to the basket. They fumble the ball around. They get it stolen. They look out of control, so then they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt on a reach-in type steal situation. And a lot of times they just don't do it, and they don't drive to the basket all that consistently in comparison to a team like Vanderbilt where Scottie Pippen Jr. is probably doing it 10 times a game or whatever, you know? Um, Yeah. So I I understand why Missouri maybe doesn't get called for as many fouls, but – you know, 35 to 12 though. I don't know. That seems yeah. foul calls, just straight up foul calls. Missouri was, uh, committed 27 fouls to Vanderbilt's 14. Yeah. I just, I don't see how, I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, part of it is personnel a little bit from Missouri, but it's not like, I mean, it's not like Deshaun Gordon is unathletic, you know, it's not like Amari Davis is slow it's i mean they're still getting called for fouls and uh this was actually the first game of the season that kobe brown fouled out of uh in 27 minutes nine points nine rebounds five fouls 
Yeah, I don't know. There was there were a few calls late in this game. Like there specifically, there was like back to back possessions where Missouri got called for a foul on a reach in steal attempt that yeah. looked pretty clean. Yeah, and then the very next possession, um, I, I think I have it backwards. Uh, the first possession, Missouri had the ball, Vanderbilt stole it, and then the next possession down, Vanderbilt has the ball. Missouri steals it, but gets called for a reach in just very similar situations. I feel like Missouri gets called for that kind of stuff so often, like little hand check stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, f- I still feel like overall the officiating was decent in this game. There were just a few calls at the end that I disagreed with. I don't know. It's definitely not. Uh, getting to the free throw line is not Missouri's strength, and when they go up against a team that that is their strength, and you're going to have a pretty crazy disparity like this one. I felt like Vanderbilt uh, made a lot of free throws, too. Just felt like they shot pretty well. Yeah, they did make a lot of free throws, 24. Oh, okay, percentage-wise. Uh, percentage-wise, under 70%. 70, yeah. yeah. Um, Missouri got out-rebounded as well. And uh, the only thing Missouri did well consistently was they didn't turn the ball over too much. So that was good. But, yeah, fouling way too much not forcing turnovers, not getting rebounds, not making threes, not getting to the free throw line. Those are all things that will equal a loss. Uh, Trevin Brazil, 12th game out of the 15 he's played in with multiple blocked shots. Bocked shots. (laughs) Took a step off the mound. He balked. Yes. Sorry. Um, sorry about that. 12th game Twelfth game this year for Brazil with multiple blocks. He's pretty good. He's good. Uh, Missouri is now 9-14 and 14 overall, 3-7 and seven in SEC play. Kempom rating of 130, 130 on offense, 151 on defense. With uh, Now that they've played 10 conference games, they are 10th in the SEC in offensive efficiency, 13th in defensive efficiency kyle guess which team is 14th in the sec in defensive efficiency um nobody else is gonna know don't worry about it in the spot here um no man i have no idea Ole miss lsu really yeah bad what's Ole miss knows uh i feel like lsu has not been quite as good as they were starting off the year they were i mean really really good at the beginning of the year like halfway through the season uh kyle i made a mistake (laughs) lsu is 14th in offensive efficiency really yes in the sec yes yes in sec play more that's more surprising yes exactly that was the whole that was the whole thing i was going for there i'm just literally said the exact wrong thing okay nice georgia 14 oh georgia yeah. georgia 14 okay, I forgot about that on defense they're terrible um you ready to look ahead I'm at sure the am. two matchups for this week we have a rematch at home against ole miss ole miss 12 and 12 on the season three and eight in sec play missouri won the previous matchup 78 to 53 on the road uh, behind amari davis's 10 for 10 shooting performance this is actually a really big game um both teams with three wins in conference play 
if Missouri wants to avoid that bottom four in the conference and having to play it in the first day of the SEC tournament, this is a must win. Yeah. Um, I think if they lose this game, I honestly don't think there's any way they get out of the bottom four. It still seems crazy that they have a chance to avoid the bottom four with how mediocre they've been. Um, but, you know, I mean, they have a couple of games go their way, like a couple of those close games like Auburn or, you know, whoever, uh, Florida. Let's just say they beat Auburn and Florida. They're like literally like sixth or seventh place in the SEC. Yeah. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Missouri has a an outside shot at getting to seven conference wins. And then that, and by default, they would have a couple tiebreakers there and that would get them out of the bottom four. So That'd if you cool. want something to root for down the stretch with not too many games left, that's uh, something to keep an eye on. I feel like the remainder of the schedule is fairly light. Yeah. Comparatively. Yeah. Not too bad. Still going to play like Tennessee. Right. Um, I think we, we, uh, we play uh, Mississippi State back-to-back games. Or that's true. Top 50-ish team. Um, beating Vanderbilt would have been really cool as far as. Yeah. Um, it would have been cool beating Auburn. Yeah, um, Auburn lost to Arkansas. Yeah, we're, we'll, uh, we're about to talk about Arkansas, but let me just look back real quick at the first time we played Ole Miss. Uh, Missouri shot the ball incredibly well, sixty-four uh, percent from two, fifty-seven percent from three, uh, four of seven, <laughs> and there you go. And seventy-one percent from uh, from the free throw line. They. Uh, had 31 defensive rebounds and 18 assists which is a lot for uh this missouri tiger team that was definitely the best game they played this year i think yeah they looked really good uh uh, alabama but this was on the road fair i mean 15 point win on the road yeah almost is not as good as i think i thought they were at the time yeah that's totally possible uh one random little stat from that game Caleb Brown, four rebounds and four assists in eight minutes of play. I honestly don't know how you do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What about Amari Davis, 10 for 10? Was that 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 game? Yes, that was that game. Some weird statistical uh, anomalies. Yeah. Uh, Something tells me no Missouri Tigers are going to shoot 10 for 10 from the field. Ever again. In this (laughs) match. Yeah, potentially (laughs) ever again. Is this old uh, Kermit Davis' last trip to Columbia, Missouri? That's possible. As an old Miss coach, not like in his life necessarily. Or he is free to travel to Columbia almost whenever he wants. So, <laughs> but still, it could be his last time ever uh, stepping foot in the state of Missouri. I don't know, though. I think they'll bring him back for one more season. I think there's some uh, Ole Miss fans that should be thinking twice about getting rid of Andy Kennedy when they did. Yeah. That was a situation that. I kind of scratched my head, but he had been there a long time, and maybe it was just time yeah. to yeah. shuffle things around a little I bit. I think so. But it, you don't always end up better when you do that. All I'm going to say, Andy Kennedy, pretty good job at UAB. Yeah. That's yep. I don't know. I don't know why I would, would say that. You know, and there's no reason why I would no. be, you know, looking at other coaches' performances around the league or anything. He's recruited pretty well in SEC, uh, in the SEC before gone to the NCAA tournament, had good performances in the, the league that the Missouri Tigers play in. Anyway, you mentioned Auburn losing to Arkansas. Yeah. That 
is the ninth game in a row that Arkansas has won. I kind of feel like uh, Auburn was like flirting with disaster. Absolutely. They al- they should have lost to Missouri. They should've almost lost to, lost to Georgia. But they've had to play both those games on the road. And obviously, uh, so somebody was going to beat Auburn. And, of course, it was Arkansas. But maybe they will just celebrate that win too much and not be paying attention when they come to Missouri Arena. Uh, obviously, Arkansas won the previous matchup in Fayetteville by, like, I don't know, three zillion points. Maybe more. Uh, J.D. Note had 19. Arkansas shot 28 of 45 from two. That's 62%. And Missouri turned the ball over 23 times in that matchup. What do you think? Are we going to see more of the same? Are we going to get two? Are we going to get like a real nice, juicy homestand where we get two back-to-back wins? No, probably not. But I think we'll see two good games. Good game against Arkansas? Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be competitive. Okay. It's not going to be a 43-point loss again, I don't think, or whatever it was. Are we going to beat Ole Miss? I think so. I think we'll beat Ole Miss. I think we'll lose to Arkansas by, like, six that shoot sounds le- pretty good shoot less threes i will That's, take I i'll take that you. yeah yeah uh yeah i don't think missouri has any way of, sh- of slowing down jd note no i think he will do whatever he wants and as far as Ole miss goes maybe <laughs> losing to missouri and then like ending up second to last in the conference that might actually be enough to send kermit davis packing yeah man maybe they could get andy kennedy Ole miss probably could yeah it's a good coach (laughs) oh man i it sucks uh when missouri is not very good and arkansas is good i don't know how the greater missouri fan base feels about that rivalry but i like it and i I, especially on the basketball side uh we've had some really good games against them some overtime games heartbreakers questionable calls at the end of a couple games yeah we usually do pretty like, well against them at home i feel like the football and basketball rivalries have been pretty good i feel like a lot of people don't want to recognize it as a rivalry because it was kind of forced or whatever but yeah. i mean i think there's been some good games yeah i agree i'll embrace it i'll embrace it uh i didn't mention at the top but arkansas after you know having a terrible non-conference uh schedule as far as like uh, difficulty. It was really easy. They won a ton of games. They started SEC play really shakily. Now they're eight and three, and have won nine games in a row. So they are hot, hot, hot. Yeah, coming into Missouri. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm going to just copy your prediction. I agree. I think they're going to beat Ole Miss by. I'm thinking they're going to beat Ole Miss by six, but I think they're going to lose to Arkansas by nine. Not quite as close. You see Eric Musselman was, like, shirtless in the celebration. He's something else. That should have been us. Yeah. That should have been Conzo Martin shirtless in the middle of the students. Yeah. Storming the court. I will say, when Conzo was the coach at Missouri State back in, this would have been probably 2011. Yeah. Um, when Missouri State won the regular season Missouri Valley Conference title, Conzo was amped, man. He was going crazy. Like this just secured me a job in the SEC. That, that was young Conzo, though. Yeah, that was that was a, almost a different guy than I feel like he is now. I'm gonna get to go to Tennessee. Yeah, that's what he was thinking. Probably. Little did he know, not a fun time there. Yeah. 
Um, I hope he's having a better time in Columbia. Probably not. Well, yeah, he definitely is. But he has had a better. It's time. been a rough year though. Yeah, but he's rich. That is true. He's very wealthy. And this team is playing better than they did at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think they've improved. Yeah. That doesn't mean that I've changed my mind about anything big picture. <laughs> no, I haven't really either. And I know some guys. I know some people have wanted us to talk about big picture. What you know, Kanza Martin, this that, make the argument. This you know, one way or the other. We'll we'll get to that. We got a few more weeks of the season, and then we'll we'll get into that that juicy topic. Yeah. When it's time to, to trust, analyze the season. Trust us, we are excited. We we <laughs> will. We're very happy to to talk about that, and we're a few weeks away. That all for this week? I think so. All right. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Lewis Hernandez, Tim Keens, and Tyler Harsel. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. And you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We are on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our stickers on our online shop. We're working on getting some more T-shirts out there. Thank you guys for selling us out on those. Um, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com Thank you everyone for listening. We will see you next week.